Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode here at Stories of S's. I'm Gabby. And I'm Daniel. And today we have a very special guest, one of my best friends, and also the artist behind our beautiful graphic for Stories of S's that you guys see every episode on wherever you're listening. So please, please welcome Sonia Vincenti. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much, Gabby and Daniel, for having me on your for having me on your podcast. Um, Yeah, I'm here. Hi, Gabby is my best friend. (laughs) We actually met the same day that I met Daniel. I am actually the love of her life. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think that that's like my lucky day. I met like two of the most important people in my life on the same day. (laughs) Oh. Having Sonia on the podcast is so special because she has such a great and unique perspective that I think you guys will enjoy listening to. If you didn't know, Sonia went to school in Rome and they do things very differently. Um, especially for this story. Actually, the story we will be talking about today was a big project for both of us in school in different ways, but now getting the perspective as we're older and also keeping in mind how we felt when we first read this is going to be amazing. Now, as I always ask Daniel, Danny, (laughs) do you know (laughs) about the play Medea by Euripides? Well, I didn't know from my school days about the play but I had the chance to do a little research and yeah I I know some of it do you guys want me to share it well duh okay so I mean it's apparently pretty old it's from the ancient Greece time right so it's like from the 500th century before Christ so 2600 years old almost not too bad um and it's basically about Medea um, who is supporting a male character called Jason. She has some magical powers. They end up marrying. And through the story, she sacrifices a lot. She burns a lot of bridges. Um, but No spoilers. And no. I'm, not, I'm not giving any spoilers here. This is just like very rough. Um, and yeah, she ends up supporting Jason with her abilities and... They end up having a very dramatic ending of the play. So I mean, it should be a very dramatic ending, you know. <laughs> it is. It's a it's a tragedy. So, um, but we'll decide a tragedy for who at the end. This week's resources are "A Woman's Place in Euripides' Medea: Euripides' Women and Sexuality" by Margaret Williamson, "The Worst Husband: Discourses of Praise and Blame in Euripides' Medea" by Laura McClure. Um. Intimations of Feminism in Ancient Athens, Euripides, Medea by Terry Collitz, and worldhistory.org, princeton.edu, and journals.uchicago.edu. Danny gave us a little bit of a background, and I think it's important that we begin with the story of who Medea is, what brought us here, Um, and Sonia will give us some more information as we go along through the summary, so keep up. In the ancient city of Colchis, Nestled along the shores of the Black Sea, Medea, an enchantress, emerged as the daughter of King Aedes. Her lineage was steeped in divine connections, being the granddaughter of Helios, the god of the sun, and the niece of Circe, another renowned sorceress in Greek mythology. And for those of you who haven't read Circe by Madeline Miller, please, please do that. 
Despite her noble origins, Medea's life became a tapestry woven with tragedy and scandal, much of it orchestrated by her own actions. Nevertheless, her story transcended mortal boundaries, leading her to immortality and the serene embrace of the Elysian fields. Medea's tale commenced with her birth to King Aedes and Aedia, the daughter of Oceanus and Tethys. Um, Hesoid's verses depict the familial ties, narrating how untiring Helios and Circe were part of her lineage, emphasizing, remember this, the divine interweaving of her existence. This mythical background laid the foundation for Medea's journey, a journey that would intertwine with the destiny of the Greek hero, Jason. Aphrodite, the goddess of love, plays a pivotal role in the shaping of the trajectory of Medea's life, persuading her son Eros, the god of love, to strike Medea with his arrow. Aphrodite ensured that love would blossom between Medea and Jason. Mm. It wasn't her fault. It was, she was struck. She was struck by love, love at first struck. Like, oh, no, now I have to love you. <laughs> Relatable. This connection would set in motion a series of events propelling Jason to challenge his uncle Peleus for the throne of Lolcus and embarking on the perilous quest for what we know as the Golden Fleece. So for those of you that didn't study Greek, as a language i just checked out what media actually means and i think we are going to learn about this like over the story uh, but her name translated is like planner or schemer and you will understand at the end why and um just to mention taylor swift again uh it's not schemer it's mastermind oh i didn't know that daniel that's very interesting and i studied greek so <laughs> i didn't know this Nice. <laughs> well, I didn't study Greek. <laughs> He studies Wikipedia. Uh, let's keep going. Uh, writing in Colchis, Jason sought the prized golden fleece from Medea's father, King Aedes. The king, in a cunning move, imposed daunting tasks upon Jason. Tasks involving fire-breathing bulls and a field sown with serpent's teeth. Faced with seemingly insurmountable challenges, Jason found an ally in Medea. Um, duh, she is in love with him. Gifted with a magical ointment crafted from the crocus flower, he successfully navigated the tri trials thanks to Medea's strategic assistance. Again, back to that mastermind um, name that she holds. However, King Aedes, reluctant to part with the Golden Fleece, became an uh, obstacle. Under the cover of night, Medea guided Jason to the coveted treasure, putting a dragon to sleep. Medea did that and allowing the Argonauts to escape. In the pursuit that ensued, Medea's brother, Absurdus, fell victim to her ruthless tactics as she sacrificed him to slow down her father's pursuit. And this is super important to remember, all the yes. things that she's doing for Jason. She killed her own brother. She killed her she own brother and like betrayed her dad. Yeah, like the funeral would take seven days. So that's why she was like, okay, I need something. Any time, like, yeah. And she sacrificed her brother. Yeah, so their journey took them took them to Corsera, where the Phaeacians became entangled with the web of Medea's fate. A demand for her surrender by the Colchians set the stage for a hasty wedding between Jason and Medea, ensuring their escape. So they were just like, okay, let's get married, because if we get married, 
they can't really hurt us quote unquote um so they eloped they were like okay like let's get married let's make this quick let's um we love each other right yeah okay let's let's do this very fast marriage very very (laughs) fast marriage i think they need to talk about a lot of things before they got married (laughs) yes the argonauts faced further challenges including an encounter with the bronze giant talus and medea's strategic prowess prevailed again and they continued their quest upon returning to lolcus with the coveted golden fleece Jason was met with a grim revelation of Peleus' atrocities against his family. Medea, driven by revenge, orchestrated Peleus' demise with a gruesome plan, leaving Locus open for the Argonauts. Again, like, all the yeah. things that she's doing for Jason. She helps him again. Like, like she didn't even need to do anything. He was like, oh, no, I'm home. He was a bad guy. And she's like, let me do this. She's like, Don't I got work. you, babe. Got you, babe. It's us against the world. (laughs) However, Medea's journey did not end with vengeance. In Corinth, she built a life with Jason, bearing two sons. Yet, Jason's dissatisfaction with Medea led him to marry Glass, triggering Medea's wrath. Her revenge, enacted through a lethal wedding gift, resulted in a fiery tragedy that consumed all but Jason, leaving him with, like, this all of this that i did that's your fault he's like the sole survivor of everything that happened and she's like and you're left all alone yeah do we should we say why or we will discover it later um we're gonna discover this later the horror did not stop there as the best known versions of the myth recount medea's ultimate act of trigger warning infanticide racked with grief and driven to desperation she killed her and jason's children leaving corinth in a chariot drawn by winged serpents medea's exile led her through various lands each chapter marked by her formidable powers and encounters with legendary figures from thebes to athens she left a trail of both turmoil and alliances medea's cunning manipulation or again, masterminds, actions of events in Athens showcased her ability to navigate treacherous waters, escaping the pursuit of Theseus. Her travels extend to Italy, where she shared her knowledge with the Merubians, and Thessaly, where she competed in in a beauty contest. The culmination of her journey brought her back to Colchis, where she played a role in restoring her father Aedes to the throne. The narrative's complexity is mirrored by the diverse portrayals of Medea by different ancient writers. Euripides depicted her as a betrayed woman seeking revenge, while Seneca presented her as a ruthless sorceress. Apollonius of Rhodes revealed a vulnerable side to Medea, emphasizing her journey to find strength through magic. I mean, they just tried to encompass all the multitudes that she holds within her, you know, she's a human being. I think you also have to remember when they brought it, because Euripides was the first one, which was 400 years before Christ. And then 100 years later has come the journey of magic with Apollonio Rodio. I don't know how you call it again in English. <laughs> Apollonius of Rhodes. It sounds so much better when you say it. Um it was 100 years later, so he was focusing on her journey of magic. And then comes Seneca, which is practically the same time as Christus was born. So the Christianity was coming, and they were talking about like the Christianity and stuff. And like 
she's a witch now. Exactly. All of that societal things that are happening are affecting the story. They're changing it. Yeah. There's different perspectives based on how the times are changing, which is all really men. cool. All of the writers are men. I exactly. They're all Greek men. Euripides' tragic play Medea marked the beginning of the artistic legacy with subsequent adaptations in Chaucer's work and modern renditions like Rick Riordan's Percy Jackson series. As Medea's story unfolded, her image persisted in the collective consciousness, a testament to the enduring power of myth and the complexities embedded in the character of this enchantress. And you can really, like, remember, words are so important. Like Sonia was saying, you know, she's an enchantress, she's a witch. Remember, like, the connotations of using enchantress versus and using the word witch. Like, it's like there is a bad connotation on the word witch. And enchantress is like, oh, she's just powerful. Yeah, she has magic. She's a fairy kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> she's so beautiful duh i mean she did win a beauty contest so i mean she's not ugly like what what modern myths or stories tell about witches like she has a crooked nose and she has like a wart on her nose and she's like hunched and like a million years old like no she is gorgeous and smart She's a I mean, mastermind. She's the granddaughter of the sun. I mean, she has to be beautiful. <laughs> uh, yeah. She's the granddaughter of the sun. And she's also from the ocean, which what other beautiful goddess comes from the ocean? Aphrodite. Hello. Hello. We're connecting the dots here. We are Did connecting you know? the dots. What we gather from this myth and play is that Medea was a woman who chose her destiny and chose the destinies of all the other characters. When we first read it, we tend to reject the idea and see these actions as awful and lacking consideration. You're like, how could she do this? When you read the play for the first time, if you're thinking it in the way that society traditionally asks us to think about women and how they should be, right? They should be comforting and they should be nurturing and they should be you know, super considerate of other people and they should put themselves after others. Medea was like, uh, yeah, no, F that. She was very different. She was like, like, I care about myself and about my kids, full stop. She's, she's completely right. And she also has, like, if you know the tragedy of Euripides, if you, if you read the tragedies, um, in the tragedies there is a chorus, which is usually what the Greeks uh, wanted to, to show to the people that were seeing the tragedy, what the tragedy meant, like what you should think about what you're seeing. So the chorus is like the the judge, practically. And the chorus is made from Greek women. So they're just women watching Medea doing all of this vengeance stuff and like venging the betrayal of her, of her husband. And they agree with her. They're with her. So you're seeing like this completely different kind of of woman represented as a main character in this in this tragedy. Exactly. And these Greek women are not necessarily loyal to Medea. They become loyal to her thought process. They become they understand her as the story goes on because Medea is not from where they're from. So yeah. the way Medea's it's a, written Medea is completely a foreigner. She doesn't even speak their language. Like they speak different languages. They have different customs. And she's alone. But she's a woman and she feels like the Greek women. She has the same, um, what they, how they were living. 
the same kind of perspective. How can I say? The phenomenon of being a woman is beyond borders, beyond languages. Like you're a woman in any language, you're pretty much being a woman in general. It doesn't general. matter if you're, you know, in Greece or in Italy or in South America or in Africa or Asia, whatever. Like being a woman is a very, um, I don't want to say homogenous experience, but it's it doesn't deviate at all. A lot. Yeah, that's true. That's sadly true. Yeah, and I think that's what Euripides was like talking about, like through the chorus, because you know, uh, me coming from the performing side, like the chorus is the chorus's job is to tell the audience what they should feel, what they should think, because they kind of break the fourth wall um, during the plays. They're talking to the audience. They're like the narrators. So they're telling you what they think and what you should think as the audience, as the reader, as the person that is watching this from another perspective. I want to add like a little different perspective or like a step back because you guys were always talking about that she is like doing all her things, carrying out revenge. But I want to go back to like where it's coming from. Right. So I feel like it's not even like necessarily her own free will that she is like doing all this stuff but it's more like she's driven by it and how is she driven by it like she got hit by one of the arrows from arrows right so at the end like the love and everything that's coming afterwards like the disappointment her actions her revenge all of that is just triggered by the random fact that someone decided oh let's hit her with like a love arrow and let's see what's going to happen but i don't think it's so random i want to make two points point one it's not that random because she's she has a powerful lineage right she's a princess in her own right and she's a an, an enchantress in her own right and it's not like she's someone random she's someone super super powerful so they're choosing the most powerful woman at the time to kind of make the story to kind of make the story period my second thing is all is fair in love and war oh yeah you do incredible things and you do awful things in the name of love just like you do great things and awful things in the name of war. Yeah, and I'm not disagreeing with that. All I'm saying is that basically everything that triggered the whole story, that even triggered all of her actions, is not triggered by herself. She is the medium that gets to put it like in transaction, right? But she is triggered by the love and then that's what's happening afterwards. Everything else is an aftermath. I'm not saying that the character itself she is not powerful or she is not intelligent but where it's coming from is just like this one single point of you're putting like love into it so you start to play with the emotions and then you end up in this like long story of support and love and then coming back to the disappointments and the revenge and the emotions that are in play when there's love in the game. But I mean, you can, like, what she did for him, she gave everything up. She gave her family up. She gave her status as a princess. She gave her homeland. She did, she killed people for him. She killed her own brother and then her own father. And then, like, his, like, his uncle, uh, I don't know, like, so many people just for him. She gave so much. And then he betrays her and she's like... Yeah, and I think also... The different types of love that are written in Greek um, are different. So 
Eros gives her this like infatuation, this love, and she yeah. reacts to that. Kind of like when you're falling in love, you're like, I'm going to do everything. I want to hang out with you all the time. And she's like in this honeymoon phase in her mind, right? Where she's like, I'm going to do whatever it takes. And Jason is also like, yeah, baby, like you and me, we're going to run the world together. Um, <laughs> and he's he's really using her, right? And then I think she reacts like what you're saying, like she's triggered. So she reacts. But later, after she's done falling in love and the reality of normal life starts, she goes from reacting to acting, to choosing, to making specific moves for specific things because she's no longer reacting. She's making her own actions. Mm -hmm. She's not letting but anybody else decide it. The actions are also, are also triggered. Um, but she decides how far away she's going. I mean, she's completely independent and does everything by herself. Agreed. I I think that's exactly what we're what we're reading at this point of the play and of like the myths. But I ask you, what about all the other myths and the decisions made by male counterparts who decide for their friends? their wives, their children, their countries, and so on. Like, we're so easy to pick at Medea, and it's like, well, she wasn't really doing it. Like, it was Eros, it was Aphrodite, it was Jason. But we don't even really say that, again, when it comes to, like, all the other epics, like Odysseus or Perseus or Jason. We're like, oh, they were, they were triggered. It's like, no, no, no. They also no, made no. their own decisions and they like, decided for whole countries. They decided for whole families. They decided for other families. Like Zeus didn't even care that he had a, a woman. Like he just went and raped women all over Greece. Yeah. And just. Poseidon. Hello. These are all decisions that like were made by men and we don't even question it. We don't even we don't even question the myth. We're like, yeah, that's the story. And then when it comes to Medea, we're like, mm, but why did she? And like, how come she did X, Y, Z and dot, dot, dot. I mean, do, do you question a lot of like the myths when it comes to like, uh, like our male counterparts? I don't question anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why, why would I question something? It is just a written story. So for me, there's like, you can interpret like whatever you want to, or you can just read it and take it as it is irrespective of if it's about a woman or a man yeah and and that's what we're saying is like typically when these stories are like told and written where we don't even question it but when the same things are done but women do it it's kind of like but why like let's take the play um oedipus right yeah that play is effed up in many <laughs> many ways but those are those are decisions that are made that we don't even question. We're like, oh, man, that's a tr tragic story. Okay. You fucked your mother. It's fine. <laughs> Ouch. It's just kind of like the supporting characters or like the characters in the background. We question, um, especially like the female characters. But the main myths, the main, you know, epics or quests, we're like, yeah, like, that's a really good story. And then myths do you know that have a woman as a main character not many not many and what euripides does it was something so new which is incredible that he did it 2600 years ago what daniel says um he doesn't only take a woman character 
as the main character, but he also make, makes a point about the condition of women in all Greek. Like in the first act of the tragedy, he is there is Medea, Medea, she's just crying. And she's like, I hate this. I hate being a woman. Being a woman means being confined at home. Only thing, the only thing that you can do is have children and give birth. It's the only, the only worth you have. And you are unable to divorce. As a woman in all the old Greek, you weren't able to divorce. And he's even talking about the possibility of divorce and saying, why aren't women allowed to just divorce a husband if he commits infidelity? Um, he's telling like, it's okay. Like if guys are unfaithful, but if women are unfaithful, it's like green light, you can divorce her. But if guys do that, it's like, well, you're a woman, you married a man. What do you expect? What do you expect? Exactly. And they he's putting her at the same level as him. She's yeah, like, the entire time, especially because so much of the myths, especially with the Argonauts, you see that Medea is not just Jason's equal, but also like more than Jason because she has this... um power and despite historical male dominance in magical practices myths showcased women practitioners especially here with Medea and her aunt Circe and again Madeline Miller's novel Circe delves into Circe's dedicated study of natural substances echoed in ancient texts describing her use of pharmaca and Circe's knowledge encompassed the potency of leaves ingredient mixing and Ovid attributed her with expertise in discovering unknown plants. Diodorus Siculus idiosyncratically linked Circe and Medea to Hecate. Again, Hecate is like the goddess of witchcraft and very much associated with the moon. So now we have the association of the sun and the association of the moon, which are the biggest celestial bodies closest to us. And these are depicted and so they're depicted as scholars of magical powers in Gods and Mortals. And I read Circe last year. It is one of my favorite stories, and you can bet that we'll be talking about this character in a future episode. But <laughs> when Medea made an appearance in the book, and I really want to highlight this because it talks a lot about what you were saying, Sonia, that um, Circe makes comments to Medea about how her power, although recognized by Jason, he doesn't love her for her power. He actually doesn't like it. Her power is too much for him. And although he has a great PR team with how the stories are seen and passed along um, by people, he knows the truth that if it weren't for Medea, he would not have been successful. And at the end of the day, he, Jason, is not the real hero. He's just like the face. Yeah, she did everything. Like, he didn't... <laughs> He didn't do anything, actually. Yeah, she's like, I got the fleece for you. And he's like, thanks, babe. He's like, I killed the serpent. I killed my brother. And he's like, thanks, babe. Babe. <laughs> and when he's like married with her, if anybody finds out, I, I lose face. Like, I lose all the power that I have because people are going to know that it wasn't my power. It wasn't my strength or anything. It was like the gods playing chess and Medea being powerful. I think you also have to think about the man, how it was seen in the in old Greece, which was the pater family, which is like pater familia, which is like 
the the father that is the one that has the te- to have the decision making that the one that is like how can i say like a, a big hardcore patriarchy yeah completely completely big hardcore patriarchy but she is not greece she has completely other customs and in their marriage they're equal all the time which is why the betrayal is so big for her also at the end um in the second act of the um, of the tragedy you see them fighting to each other and you can see that jason is saying to her look i did this for us like marrying into a royal lineage just it's good for the kids it's good for you you will be rich at the end and she's like i don't care that you did this you didn't talk to me first we i wasn't part of this decision like you didn't we weren't a team you didn't take me as equal in the decision making process so this is a betrayal a disrespect of me as your partner and as your teammate not only as a woman you know i don't care that you're fucking her you know like i don't care that you're going with another woman which was allowed to men at the time you didn't decide with me which was the i think was the most betrayal that why she felt like this also yeah he didn't treat her as a team member he's like i'm not asking you i'm just telling you and i think like in modern day relationships i think a lot of partners can feel heartbroken and you know betrayed when a partner is like oh i'm not asking you i'm telling you kind of like well we're supposed to make decisions together we're supposed to be doing things together right danny right <laughs> important danny <laughs> yes <laughs> i mean i mean with us like it's very much like that like we don't really make decisions without consulting with one another yeah because it's not how a relationship works right exactly That's all I'm going to say to that. <laughs> <laughs> He's shy today, guys. I mean, we had two against one, so it's difficult for Danny today. Oh, baby, it's not us against you. You're on our team. I know, but you guys are the experts for Greek mythology and history. So yeah. I'm going to be on the sideline for this one. <laughs> He's cheering us on, everyone. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> moving on when we're talking about medea contemporary associations often reduce medea to her tragic act of infanticide overshadowing her legacy as a smart resourceful and innovative woman again people want to take the worst part of her and shadow her mastermind ideas <laughs> and everything that she did i mean i'm not saying that what she did was good but you have to understand why she did it and we're going to talk about that in a bit as to why as a mother she would do this to her children philostratus of athens recounted medea's post jason life engaging in a remarkable engineering feat to cross the euphrates without getting wed boccaccio in unfamous women portrayed her as a cruel yet acknowledged her as a most learned woman He cited her feats such as damming up rivers and creating fires, hinting at rudimentary chemical knowledge. Again, that enchantress, very powerful background. And in like the a cool engineer. I'm sorry? She's like a cool engineer. She is. She's like um what's it called? Uh an alchemist. 
an alchemist you know like when people are like "Ooh, an eye of newt and they like talk about that in witchcraft it's just a mustard seed <laughs> literally like they're like oh my god you added eye of newt and they're like uh i'm gonna just let you have that one but it's really just mustard <laughs> mustard is really important to witches it also tastes really good <laughs> what also to germans i would say oh my god yes baby do you like mustard only on bratwurst which is uh, the only way you need to eat it i think it's important to say also that we met all of us we met in germany and gabi and daniel lived in germany um in frankfurt where i also live right now <laughs> and we went a lot out to eat bratwurst with mustard let me tell you guys danny is going to be in germany for a bit and i told him i was like if you go to the christmas market get some yes. bratwurst and then just let me facetime with the bratwurst give us some time <laughs> just let me talk to it be like baby i miss you baby i miss you <laughs> i had a bratwurst today for lunch uh, today was very good the christmas market I is really you. I love it. Did you go to the one in Offenbach? I went to Darmstadt. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this anymore, guys. It makes it makes my heart hurt. You will come. Don't worry. Bebe, do you have something to say about my love for Broadfoot? <laughs> and uh, I respect it. I respect <laughs> <laughs> He's like, that's, that's, that's your pass. That's your pass. You're okay. You're fine. You you can be the love of my life and be my wife, but uh, <laughs> it's because you like bratwurst. Yeah. So let me just say that mustard has been important for many reasons, <laughs> centuries ago and to this day. Uh, back to Medea. <laughs> In the modern narrative, however, the scholarly and ingenious aspects of Medea's character have been obscured. Celebrated portrayals by Maria Callas and others emphasize the betrayed wife and tormented infanticide. Yet, the woman laboring to comprehend the hidden powers of the cosmos remains uncelebrated and unexplored. Again, people are so focused on the tragedy that they forget about Medea herself. A collective return to Medea is essential, I think. A call to rediscover and appreciate her, as we're doing in the podcast, as a dedicated scholar a woman of agency, and a master of both magic and knowledge. Again, she's a mastermind. She is. She is, like, the woman to be. But uh, we're not condoning killing your kids, okay? Don't do not do that. No, I mean, you, you have to understand why she did it and why it made sense for the Greek times. We don't condone doing this in these times, but it still made sense what, why she did that on her time. <laughs> yeah i mean let, let's talk about it why why did she do that like the biggest question danny why do you think she killed their kids but she just tried to hurt jason that was her reasoning for for doing it am i wrong yeah i'm getting faces <laughs> I, i'm not giving you any faces you gave me faces <laughs> i think it's complex i think it's Two things can be true, and more than two things can be true. I think you're completely right. The thing is, how? Like, how can you hurt someone by killing the kids? Okay, yeah, of course, um, you're killing his kids, or he's the father, so he has his hurt by it. 
But that wasn't what she thought at the beginning. Like killing the kids come after in the in the tragedy. At the beginning, she wanted just to kill him and his paws, just like the revenge was on the both of them. Why went to the kids? You know. Well, I I have an idea, or I think I do. I think that Medea's um, act was twofold. In one way, like two sides of the same coin, she hurts Jason a lot because she kills his bride. She kills the king. That's the bride's dad. And then she's like, you know what? You're going to have to live with this. So I'm going to also take your kids away because she's protecting her kids in one way and also hurting Jason in the same act. She gives her kids these presents, right? It's a poisoned crown and a poisoned cloak. And she's like, okay, give this to the king, give this to the princess. So they go and they do that. And what are people going to think? The people are going to think that the kids know what they were doing, that the kids were the one that delivered the presents. So if Medea goes away and Jason is there and the bride and the king are there, who are these people going to go after? Her kids. So she makes sure that her kids leave on her time nobody gets to decide anything about my kids except me nobody gets to decide to judge them to throw them in jail to kill them whatever like i'm their mother they came into the world by me they're leaving this world by me yeah she also wants to be the one that celebrate their funeral she will celebrate their funeral herself and she will be tormented by grief like she's not doing this Likely, and you can see throughout the entire tragedy that she doesn't want to do it actually. Like, she has one day to decide, which is a very, she doesn't have time. So, there is a, this is a very impulsive decision that she has as an idea at the beginning. And then, when the actual kill happens, when the, the princess and the king are dead, she's like, oh shit, now I have to do it for real. And she's like, okay, now I have to find other ways to not kill my kids. But she can't do it anymore because, as you said, they were in danger. Yeah. And what also happens is, like, what if she never killed her kids and she just took them? Those kids would be, you know, looked for and persecuted and they would be her weakness. And she's like, you don't get to have a weakness over me. You don't get to make my kids and use my kids as a manipulation. I've been manipulated by Eros when I was you know, struck by the arrow. I was manipulated by Jason telling me that he loved me and all this stuff. And I sacrificed my family, my home for him. I'm not going to get to be manipulated. And especially I'm not going to get manipulated by people using my kids against me. Yes. But um, yeah, I completely agree with this. The um, why she left him alive and killed their kids it comes from uh, the Greek culture at the time. The, the Greeks and the Romans after that, they believed that the only thing you should live for is immortality. How can you achieve immortality if you are bound to die? The ways to achieve immortality were becoming famous, so becoming like a big 
warrior, which your story will be repeated for generations and generations. Like the, the remember, like the idea of you will not die. Like the big poets were writing poems that were very, very good and were like the, this written uh, thing that stayed for forever. And they were, this was their legacy and like that they were immortal. But another way to stay in the world is to have someone that has your blood and remembers you, which is your kids. So she's like, what will hurt you more than killing you exactly, like killing just you, is to kill your legacy and to kill your immortality. And I'm she not- does it in two ways, because she kills his legacy as his story. She's like, you want a story? I got you. After this, everybody's going to know that you're a fake, that you're not the real hero. I'm the real hero. You're not smart. I'm smart. So I'm taking away your legacy and your stories because the yes. story is not going to be the Jason. It's going to be the Medea. Yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. taking your legacy by taking your kids away because I'm choosing that for them. You don't get yeah. to have a win. You don't get no wins with me. You get all L's. <laughs> You're you loser. You're a loser. I mean, at the end, she was like, this is all your fault. And she goes away unpunished. Because the gods and the chorus, as we said, they are with her. They agree. Because he disrespected her in so many ways. I mean, not only just like the betrayal of sleeping with another woman, but also like he is telling her, for example, you're a foreigner. You should be grateful to me that you're in Greece now because your land is from barbarian land. It's like a lesser land. So your legacy, you're, you are lesser than us. Yeah, he's telling her who she is. And when we start reading the story, she is believing that. She's like, oh my God, like, I hate myself. Like, I don't like this. And as we read the the tragedy, she is like, wait, 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 wait. Why am I believing what you're telling me when I know that I'm here because of me? You're here <laughs> because of me. Not, it has nothing to do with you. Yes. And you also can say can see that Jason tries to help her, offering her money or like tokens of hospitality. Like at the time, you when you knew people, um, people would just uh, hospit you. How can I say? Like just yeah, hospit you in their home. Um, and she says, "You're trying to buy me. Mm-hmm. Why are you trying to disrespect me also in this way? I'm also completely independent, and I can do this on my own." So she completely refuses. Yeah, she's like, did you forget who I am? Yeah, she just finds a way out. She just, like, talk with another king that needs her help. And she's like, don't worry, I have powers. I can give you my help. Just give me an escape route. And he's like, fine. And she's completely independent and just go in their salvation way. Yeah, and in the play, Medea's language goes beyond what is said, but how how it is said um, and conveyed. In the play... This is especially important because we see the way communication plays a key role in how we read and empathize with the characters and how Medea internally goes from being a supporting character, like how we were saying, how she's like, yeah, like I'm in the background, like Jason is the real deal and he's the love of my life. And then she wakes up and she's like, wait, no, hold on. I'm the main character. Without me, Mm -hmm. there would be no story for Jason. Specifically, 
um, blame speech, a category encompassing words directed at another person to assign responsibility or actions or omissions disapproved by society. Again, what we're saying is like, Jason didn't tell her. He omitted, you know, telling her the decision that he made. Um, she them. She cursed him. She's like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it receives a unique treatment in Medea's character. The play um, organizes this form of speech around a vacos, uh, which is an apparently staged verbal confrontation between husband and wife, culminating in a sophisticated contest of words where she uses her words as a weapon. And remember, she's a sorceress. She's an enchantress. Like her words are very, very powerful, especially remember she has the sun god, the god of the ocean. Like what she says is so important for us to remember because Medea employs blame discourse to incite what can be aptly described as wordy wars. So wordy as in words and wars. <laughs> Her arsenal includes, again, curses, threats, reproaches, and name-calling, discursive strategies typically deemed unsuitable for wives. Through these linguistic maneuvers, the play provocatively hints at a transgression of normative gender roles, foreshadowing Medea's eventual ascent to semi-divine status. So she is taking back that power, and Medea's abusive language, unconventional for her role, not only challenges societal expectations, but also becomes a catalyst for her transformation. She leaves the box that society puts her in, that Jason puts her in, that Eros puts her in. She's like, you know what? I'm going to be the decision maker of my own destiny. And this diversion from conventional feminine speech aligns with her eventual elevation to a semi-divine state in the play's conclusion when she leaves in the chariot with the flaming serpents. <laughs> um, however, Medea's linguistic rebellion doesn't rely solely on blaming people and that blame discourse. It complements more traditional feminine means of persuasion, such as supplication, creating a nuanced persuasive strategy. So she's like, I'm going to use the tools that are given to me as a woman for this time. And I'm going to create a strategy, a war strategy. I'm not going to play dirty just physically. I'm also going to play with his mind. I'm also going to be smarter than him. I'm going to use my tools that he he's like, you only get these tools and they're the suckiest tools. She's like, OK, I'm going to make these tools better. Um, she she pretends and she is very good at pretending yeah like Jason believes her even if he knows her so well and he stayed there with so many years and have two kids he believes her when she said oh you're right I think I will go in exile and leave my kids with you like and she's like okay go have a great wedding mazel tov I'm fine with it. I will go. Don't worry. Here gifts for you so that you can accept my kids and I can go by myself. Exactly. Like, she was like, I'm I'm not going to play the game. I'm going to win the game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. So the subtlety of Medea's linguistic rebellion lies in its multifaceted impact, as we were just saying. While, transgress while transgressing gender norms, her blame discourse 
serves as a potent tool to win sympathy of the female chorus, which we touched earlier in the podcast. You know, she's not just convincing herself. She's convincing the gods. She's convincing the chorus. She is saying, I am doing this and you're going to understand why I'm doing it. And you're going to take my side at the end. Which us readers, especially women readers, can really understand and follow her train of thought. And I think this is why, like, you know, when Danny was talking about certain aspects of it, he sees it from a different perspective. And then us as women, we kind of also see it as a different perspective as well. And I think neither of them are um, one is right and one is wrong. I just think that, like, this multitude of perspectives, she uses that to talk to the audience because she's talking to the chorus and she knows that the chorus is talking to us. Mm -hmm. Simultaneously, it proves effective in persuading powerful male interlocutors, Creon, Aegis, and Jason to align with her objectives. Through these verbal performances, Medea not only gains control over her opponents, but also becomes the quote unquote author of a new discourse. She's reshaping the narrative to suit her desires. In the intricate dance of words, Medea's language becomes a dynamic force, challenging societal expectations and reshaping the power dynamics within the play. And I want that. Let's pause there. She is challenging societal expectations and reshaping the power dynamics, which Remember who's writing this. A guy is writing this. A lot of guys are writing this story. And he's writing this 2,000 years ago. <laughs> yeah. And so long ago, he's like questioning the societal norms. He's like, why, why are we okay with this way of thinking? Of this way of looking at women? Of this way of seeing them as lesser than when we have goddesses who we pray to you know the goddess athena who has wisdom the aphrodite for beauty hera for family like all these really really big important things we end up praying to them because they are so powerful and yet we treat women less like, than that yes um it's also to, mm -hmm. to remember how women were treated in the Greek times because there were many type of women. There were the women that weren't allowed to study, which they were the one that will be married and have children with. And then there were women that could study, but they weren't allowed to be married. But they were going to the public spaces and like going on banquets with older men, etc. And also sometimes offer sex services but they will never be able to marry. They were the ones that were musicians, artists, interested in politics, which is like, you are knowledge and you're powerful, and that's it's a bad thing. Like this, you cannot bear children and not be married. And we even have that same type of narrative today, um, where people are like, you're too powerful, you are too much, like... They're like, women shouldn't have corporate jobs. Like, 
that's too much of them. Like the science is against women being in these high powered jobs because they get too stressed. It's like, um, okay. Can we talk about Miley Cyrus? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, like, look at this powerful woman and mm -hmm. a man also her that was like, yeah, too much. Just be less, please. Yeah. If you want less, go find less. Go find less, bitch. Exactly. <laughs> um, let's talk about Medea's inner story now and why she became the Medea we know, not just through her actions, but like what what steps did she have on in the inside in her inner monologue and in her inner thoughts um, that made her who she is? So Medea represents Jason's oath oaths and pledges as having been given to herself by marrying on this basis she already translated herself into the role of a male citizen operating in the public sphere as jason's equal so she's like okay we're married you and me are the same so that's step one medea a woman of great intelligence and strength faced a tragic destiny in a broken home her marriage to Jason was filled with betrayals that deeply hurt her, and the prologue reveals the destruction in Medea's home caused by betrayals in her marriage. The nurse in the play, who knows Medea's painful past, tells the story of how Medea sought revenge on Peleus and betrayed her own father and homeland. So they make it a point to talk about how Medea is forced to betray others and how others betray her. Medea's marriage to Jason was a turning point in her life. The vows they made to her symbolize not only their commitment as husband and wife, but also as Medea's entrance into the public sphere. Unlike traditional marriages where agreements were made between the husband and the wife's father or guardian, Medea positioned herself as her own guardian, as her own father. And she is then inherently an equal to Jason. She's like, you're not making any deals with anybody else but me. She took on a role usually reserved for a man um, and participated in public life alongside him. These events had a profound impact on Medea. She found herself without a home to go back to, forced into the public domain because of the betrayal she experienced and committed. And in her despair, she called upon the gods who witnessed the vows to seek justice for the wrongs done to her. So she's like, hold on. You guys made me do all these things in the beginning. Like you made me fall in love with Jason. You forced me to act. And then now he's betraying me and you're leaving me all alone. Like you've forsaken me. Like, uh-uh, you guys have to come back and help me and protect me. And therefore, the story of Medea unfolds on different levels, each adding to her tragic tale. Her journey from a betrayed wife to a woman who takes control in the public sphere was a result of Jason's abandonment, abandon, abandonment and her own ruthless actions. Medea's path is driven by a mix of betrayal, broken vows, and a relentless pursuit of justice in a world that denied her a home. And if you don't know, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Oh, yeah. 
important to remember. Yeah, that's like a, a really helpful tip for forever and always. <laughs> for everyone, women and men. <laughs> for women and men everywhere and everything in between. <laughs> in Medea's Revenge, she uses complex relationships and persuasive language to accuse Jason of pursuing a new marriage despite their shared children. She argues that having children creates an even more unbreakable bond between a husband and wife. Interestingly, Medea shows versatility in her understanding of marriage. She can view it as an exchange between equals, revealing her understanding of the dynamics in her relationship with Jason. She's like, I have a lot of power and I could easily say that I'm better than you, but we're in a marriage. We're a team. So my power is your power. We're the same. And she does that for him. And he's like, uh, no, I want to be better than you. I mean, you can try. <laughs> you can try. <laughs> um, and in this scene in particular, which was the scene I did in high school with one of my best friends. Um, this scene is filled with intense language from both Medea and Jason when they're fighting. When she's like, you can take it all back. You can come back. I'll forgive you. I'm giving you a chance. And he just digs his heels even deeper. Um, they use language as a tool and a weapon to discuss the importance of their relationship. However, their argument doesn't hold weight in this vital connection, which makes the situation even more serious. Medea seeks revenge because she believes Jason's greatest offense was against um, his friends. She believes the harming friends is the ultimate crime. The chorus agrees with her, highlighting the power of anger among friends. And the prologue emphasizes Jason's transgression against the principle of treating friends well and enemies poorly, which goes back to, again, she thinks that they're equals. And not are they, not only are they a partnership, but they're friends. Like they're supposed to be on the same team. Yeah, like they fought together. Like she helped him and she stayed in his boat with the Argonauts. So she's practically one of the Argonauts. Yeah, she's like one of, she's not just his wife. She's also his friend. And she's like, you're, you're betraying me two different ways. You're betraying me as your wife or three. You're betraying me as your wife. You're betraying me as the mother of your children. And you're betraying me as your friend. Yeah. And so Medea's actions contradict the principle she invokes when she commits all these things. While friendship is usually extended to relatives, Medea lacks a central point in her circle of friends. She, again, she left everything. She left her home. She left her father. She left, she killed her brother. She's in a place that she doesn't know. And Jason's like, oh, the only thing you really are here for is to give me kids so I can be immortal in my legacy. And the benefits she lists to Jason show that she intentionally destroys the bond between parent and child as an act of revenge. Again, she's committing that part as a child with her dad. And now she's committing that part as a parent with her children. And these complex motives intertwined with conflicting ideas of family and relationships drive the tragedy to its inevitable conclusion. But it's not really that much so of creating a tragedy, but choosing her own destiny. She's like, 
I already chose to betray my dad. I'm going to live with that decision. But now I'm going to choose for my kids the best way I can. And her pain stemmed for, from that realization that she had gone all in. She wagered everything on Jason and forsake and forsook, forsook? and forsaken all else for him, despite the warnings of others. Yet in the end, he failed to value the extent of her sacrifice. And so, <laughs> yet in the end, he failed to value the extent of her sacrifices. Jason fails to acknowledge all that she bestowed upon him, all that she gave up, her father, her magic, her physical self, her children. Jason abandons her due to his inability to release his fragile pride and pursue the purity and easily swayed mind of his younger bride. That's what he thinks. He thinks he's going to win. He thinks he's going to be that hero. If he gets rid of Medea and marries this bride, like the, the story that he's the real hero, um, his bride doesn't know that he isn't. And he wants that like sense of worship from his bride, that sense of she sees him greater than herself, which Medea doesn't. She sees Jason as an equal. And that really bothers him. He doesn't want to be equal. He wants to be a man, which at the time was better for the Greeks. I think his idea of going out, getting the uh, golden, what was it? Like a fleece, golden fleece. Golden fleece was about him being the hero, right? And then he ended up not really being capable of accomplishing that by himself. And he probably didn't really want people to, to know that. And he was only able to achieve it with the help of Medea. And he knows that it was only based on her actions, not on his own actions. And uh, probably that's where he was trying to present himself as the hero right even though even uh, even though she knows that he really isn't and that makes him or that would undermine his position of like being the hero and retrieving the golden fleece that that's a really good word he doesn't want to be undermined he wants to be worshipped but you know that's what he did He does to himself because he's not being undermined from media. She sees him as a completely equal, like we did this together. I see you as you are. I love you. You are the husband, my husband, the father of my children. He undermines himself. He's scared. Like he thinks of himself like this. Yeah, and I think that's what we are saying. I think you're just using the term in a different way. We, like, what okay. I'm thinking is, he's being, <laughs> if he would present the story in the way that Medea supported him and actually did most of the work, it would undermine his position and his Stop. perception of himself and the perception that he wants people to have from him. Exactly, exactly. And... That takes us to this next portion where we talk about Medea's influence on feminism. Um, Medea, as portrayed by Euripides, has had a significant impact on modern women. 
She challenges traditional gender norms and advocates for women's empowerment in the context of the modern women's movement. Classical studies have seen a feminist discussion that questions and reinterprets ancient texts, with Medea playing a central role in this reevaluation. Medea's influence is evident in her explicit outrage at the mistreatment by her husband, Jason, and the support expressed by the chorus for the wronged woman. Together, they confront a biased literary tradition that has long ignored women's voices and disregarded their emotional pain. Medea's struggle to be heard and alleviate her suffering reflects the broader pursuit of women for recognition and empowerment. The play addresses the historical ideology that perpetuates a demeaning image of women, attributing it to male poets. The chorus introduces a revolutionary shift, again, what we've been talking about, by challenging traditional gender roles and envisioning a future where honor uplifts women, right? Going back to the very, very beginning where we said, all the myths where men make these decisions for their family, these decisions for their countries, it's uplifted. And in this play, written by a man, he wants to uplift the voice of women, uplift the honor and the same heroic gestures that we see in women. And this change is depicted as rewriting stories to improve women's lives and breaking free from the oppression imposed by reputation. The direct reference to negative stereotypes of women by older poets within the play draws attention to the biases against women perpetuated by poetry. It invites scrutiny of Euripides' own portrayal of Medea, emphasizing that gender bias is complex and, again, open to interpretation. But Medea's characterization in this play is both a victim and a murderer, and it presents a nuanced perspective. It's not very black and white. It's gray, and this allows the audience to judge her actions and grapple with feminist politics. The play engages in a dialogue that questions and challenges prevailing societal norms regarding women. Again, Medea's ability to dominate the stage symbolizes a a feminist movement within Athens, challenging the male-dominated order. This play written like 2,000 plus years ago highlights the changing roles of women with characters like uh, Clytemnestra, Antigone, and Medea taking center stage and subverting traditional gender dynamics. Euripides here portrays Medea's transformation from a victim to a politically aware and empowered woman and reflects a significant cultural shift. Medea's confrontations with Jason, Creon, and Aegis demonstrate her political acumen and rationality, challenging traditional male values and power structures kind of again going to what i really wanted to focus is that she is like i don't have to wage a war to win i just have to use my words i will win this war quote unquote with my words and then i'm going to show you my actions that are going to prove what i'm saying So the play's conclusion prompts the audience to grapple with moral and ethical dilemmas going beyond simplistic notions of right and wrong. Medea's actions, including infanticide, 
infanticide forces the audience to confront the harsh realities faced by women even in civilized societies. While the historical existence of a feminist movement in Athens remains uncertain, Medea's impact on the discourse is undeniable. The play's exploration of feminist themes such as solidarity, gender equality, and the critique that is this play of patriarchal ideologies contributes to the ongoing feminist dialogue that we have to this day. The experimentalism of dramatists like Euripides paves a way for more progressive ideas concerning women's role in society, which we see later with Seneca and Rhodes, uh, Apollonius. We see that shift consistently growing, consistently moving. And I think that even to this day, if we were to read and have um, a modern version of Medea, we would understand it. We would understand it even if it was set in 2000 BC or 2023. If Medea was set in right now and she did the same things, I think the ideas and the her thought process, we would understand it. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. I was thinking about the 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 other um the film or it's a book, the book that we talked about about this other woman that was a slave uh um, by Beloved actor. by Toni Morrison. That she also decide the fate of her children that she doesn't want them to be slaves and also kill them mm-hmm. uh, so that they don't face the same doomed future that she also has as a, a slave it's the idea of the mother deciding for a better life which is not having a life for the children it's like yeah the behind it too like i don't want you to suffer i don't want you to be persecuted like i want you to live this life how you see it how you thought it was beautiful how you thought it was great i don't want you to see it beyond that where people are coming after you where people are you know torturing you and people are persecuting you um they have like this motherly instinct of there is no limit to what a mother would do for her children. There is no limit to what she would do. Um, and it grapples a lot with the societal expectations because we're like, why would you ever kill your children? And it's like, you don't know what I would do for my kids. You have no idea what I would do. I would sacrifice my soul for my kids. Which is what Medea does, because at the end, she's like, she's not happy. Like, it's not a happy hand also for her. It's a tragedy for, for him, because he's the one that, like, has nothing at the end. But she also, she's suffering a lot. Like, she didn't do... She it. loses everything. Her what Everything is to her. She loses her partner, and she loses her kids. And granted, she chose that, but she lost everything. She chose to lose everything, which is kind of like the win for her, where she's like, you know what? If I'm going down, I'm going to make sure that everybody else gets out. And the only one that's going to go down is me and Jason. She's like, this started with us. This ends with us. But in her doing that, she loses a part of herself. She loses, you know, her kids, which is 
that legacy um, for her as well. And what mother doesn't love her children? Mm-hmm. You know, I want to say you shouldn't kill your children. By the way, like yeah, no, no, no. Saying- we're not saying <laughs> go kill your children. We're just saying that like a mother's love is beyond comprehension, and no matter what we say, no matter what we do, like we will never know that decision and thank God. Um, but also know that that decision isn't a light one that comes with being stuck between a rock and a hard place and doing the best for your kids with what little you have. So I think that, you know, talking about Medea and Jason and, you know, her power being too much even for her in the sense that she sacrifices herself her soul um for her kids and for women where it's like you have the power you have the destiny and you don't need to be strong to take down a man like physically you don't have to be physically, you don't have to beat him up. You just have to be smarter. And I'm not saying men are evil. Men are not evil. Men are great. But evil men are evil. Like evil women also. Evil just like women evil are women, are evil. women are evil. Like people that are evil are evil. Like Period. <laughs> people that are Period. evil are evil. And karma, man. <laughs> You can choose it and you can be the author of your own destiny. And when people want to take that agency from you, know that you can outsmart them, regardless of who that opposite person is. You know, whether it's a man or a woman or another, like the only person who is who has agency over their autonomy and their destiny is you. And I think Medea shows that where it's like, yes, it's tragic, but don't forget it. Don't don't let yourself get gaslit into thinking that you're not. Don't let yourself get persuaded or manipulated into not. You are smart. You you are powerful. You are a mastermind. And also, don't give too much for a man. Don't give your identity up. Don't yeah, do, for anyone. Don't, like for anyone, she she did way too much, and then she regretted it at the, at the end. Yeah, she forgot who she was, and it was too late for her to regain that power and she did it whichever way she could um which we get in this story but don't let it get too late reclaim your power remember who you are remember that you're amazing remember that you're great remember that you are the main character and we're all here striving for the same thing and there's a table big enough for everyone there is a stage big enough for everyone this world is big enough for everyone so at at the end the person that you will be forever together is you exactly you're with yourself forever for life what you should keep in mind and i think that's what happened when you you guys were talking about like like don't forget who you are like try to be yourself like and try to be that all the time because you see how it ends up working out for Medea it does not she just goes down and takes Jason with her 
on her decision trying to reclaim who she really is which is fine but like <laughs> don't end up doing it too late because it will drag you down and will drag everyone else down and you will end up in a pit so be yourself and be good and be powerful and be a mastermind and be a mastermind exactly um <laughs> so that concludes our episode for today thank you guys all so much for listening thank you sonia for joining us thank you for having me <laughs> we are so happy to have her and again you know she did the incredible graphic art that you guys see on the podcast uh she is just such a talent she has so much she hid so many little gems in there that i could not even begin to explain maybe in a future episode i will but she really took what i wanted and made it art made it incredible and i'm so beyond grateful for not just her help with us starting this podcast but also um her support her friendship i am forever grateful I love you. I don't know what to say. I'm I'm beyond. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> We are in love. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys for tuning in. Don't forget to give us like a five star rating on Spotify. You can follow us on social media on Instagram. And you can send us any type of emails if you want to listen to something specifically. It has to be connected, of course, to some extent to <laughs> what we are doing here. But feel free to send us an email to storiesofasses at gmail.com. And we are super happy to include that. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night. Bye. <laughs> Cheers.